In late October of 1796, Catherine the Great, Empress of Russia, was lying fast asleep in her royal chambers. However, not for long. Several of her knight servants, having just passed the royal throne room, were surprised to see the Tsarina's chamber door closed. Concerned, one of the servants entered the room to find Catherine in bed and proceeded to wake her with greatly disturbing news. That moments ago, they had seen her sitting on her throne. Jolting up in utter disbelief, the Tsarina raced to the throne room only to find herself seated in front of her. A state of uncanny terror rushed down her spine as she ordered her guards to fire. Three left. Three left. However, this unknown double was left unscathed, and the rest of what happened is unknown. Several weeks later, Catherine the Great would die under unexplained and highly debated circumstances. A death omen? A physical entity? Or something else? Join us tonight on Into the Portal as we investigate the bizarre phenomena of the doppelganger. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm your host, Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And today we are on episode six, and we're coming at you guys with the bizarre phenomena of the doppelganger. Mm, very mysterious. So Amber's the one who kind of turned me on to this subject. I wasn't, it didn't jump out at me right away when, no. when you brought it up. I don't even know why I got on that huge tangent. You ended up on a tangent there, didn't you? Yeah, it was like two days where I just like was hitting it hardcore. And then uh, I actually had a little bit of my own personal doppelganger experience, which we can talk about later on in the episode. Right. But that (laughs) was kind of freaky. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we want to start with some origins like we'd like to do here. We always like to give some history to it. Give some context. Yeah. Right. And then obviously, you know, like we we broke broke this down in the show description, but there's been a lot of historical figures that have Mm -hmm. seen their doppelgangers and there's lots of different variations of what it actually is. Exactly. All throughout human history. It's awesome. And then also it's inspired countless literary works that are, some of them are just classics that you would know right away. Others are a little bit more obscure, but just as fascinating. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Really excited about this topic. So, anyways, I guess we can start off with the origins of the word itself. Sure. Because while the concept has existed for basically since human history has been around, yeah. we this is a relatively recent term. Right. And it was coined in the 1700s. It was 1796 right. from a guy, a German dude. His name was uh, John Paul, a.k.a. Uh, Johann Paul Richter. I guess he wrote under um, Different a, a pen name. Right. Yeah, so he was a novelist, and essentially he, yeah, he um, he was a little bit obsessed with the term. Oh, no, 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 sorry, I'm thinking of the writer, or sorry, not the writer, the uh, the artist that did that crazy painting, um, right. How They yeah, Met yeah, Themselves, yeah. and that, again, was a huge inspiration for this episode. Okay. Yeah, that was by a guy named Dante Gabriel Rossetti. So, again, same sort of era, I believe this was done in, well, no, it was a century later, but... We're getting off on a huge tangent, of <laughs> Already, course. that's okay. Yes. But the word actually, like, directly translates in German to double-goer. 
Right. Correct. Yes. And so it's, yeah, it, it, but it didn't actually become associated with the idea of like a, a double or an evil double or anything like that until, like you said, until, until it was coined later on. What do you mean, the actual concept or the... Like the actual use of it in like popular culture and like things like that. Oh, well, yeah. Um, Yeah, we're going to go through some manifestations and different terminology for this. I guess the first one would come from ancient Egypt, which we're back in the desert. Holy moly, we're back. Just for a second, though. Just for a sec. Yeah. (laughs) So this kind of relates to the Egyptian concept of the soul. They kind of divided it into five different parts. So I'm not going to list them all, but basically the one that's most relevant for our discussion is the Ka. So it's just spelled K-A. Yeah, and so the Ka is actually a tangible spirit double that has the same memories and feelings as the person to whom the counterpart belongs. But essentially, it lives on after the person. Right. So it kind of has, yeah, like a little bit of uh, um, immortal qualities to it. Okay. It doesn't have any nefarious connotations, though. It's just a spiritual double. Okay. So, so that's I, yeah. different, obviously, than the later. Exactly. It was almost considered just, like, more of a life force, I would say. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because when I was looking at that, like, there's lots of hieroglyphs where it is, like, yeah, a, a corpse or a, a a burial or whatever mm, it might be. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, sort of, like, yeah, the, the floating above. It's, like, yeah. it, it isn't, In like, In some a, depictions, you see a, like, if the person's alive and they're standing... You see um, a miniature person's next to them. That's supposed to symbolize the cop. And then in other depictions, they actually have another hieroglyph that looks like, we're going to put this in our show notes, but Mm -hmm. it looks like just two arms at a 90 degree angle pointing out. Okay. Yeah. So very um, basic, but like the actual depiction of it. But right. essentially, yeah. So the call was represented by two arms outstretched to ward off evil. Um, again, yeah, it, it basically... Yeah, I already touched on this, the idea that it could be a drawing of a very little person standing <laughs> next to a, a normal-looking person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very interesting, the Ka. So it's just basically, like, that is one of the earliest origins of basically just the, yeah, the concept of, like, the soul and something, something separate. Something, exactly. It's almost like, uh, just an element of duality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dualism, for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then moving on from that, we kind of, um, we go into the era of Zoroastrianism, Okay. Which you can kind of just loosely define as like the very earliest religion that is monotheistic, so one god. Right. The Egyptians obviously worshipped a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And we touched on Zoroastrianism briefly in the Zura episode part two, I think it was. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, I mean, they sort of. <laughs> six episodes in, we already six forgot. Six episodes in, yeah, that wasn't that long ago, we should probably remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, so moving into sort of monotheistic religion mm-hmm. and the ideas on basically good and evil. Yeah, so I have a quote here. This is from Wikipedia, but basically they say it is one of the oldest extant religions that combines cosmogonic dualism and eschatological monotheism. Oh, so let me explain yeah. all of those long words. <laughs> okay. So cosmogonic dualism refers to the idea of binary forces in the universe, so oppositional forces um, that form an antagonistic relationship. Monotheism refers to the idea of, yeah, the single all-powerful God, and then eschatological refers to the end of days. Oh, dear. Yeah, doomsday. Doomsday. So, yeah, it basically has the roots of 
what I would say is, you know, like a lot of religions that we see today, right. including Christianity and um, others, obviously. Obviously, this would develop later on into like the actual like physical places of heaven and hell in, right. Cap- in, in, in Catholicism and, and yeah. whatever else. So the whole story, I guess, of like, yeah, combining this concept of dualism would be this idea of Ahura Mazda, who was the supreme lord, supreme being. Master, he was like, oh, that's where the car company got it from. <laughs> uh, yeah, and how there was some guy, or sorry, not some guy, his like twin brother, or whatever, and he was the evil counterpart. So what was his name again? Hmm. Oh right, it was Angra Main Yu. Right. Okay, I have this here too. So these guys, yeah, co-eternal representatives of good and evil. So, like, the idea of an evil inverse comes into play. Right. And then this gets further expounded on in, well, not so much in Greek mythology. We kind of skipped over that one because I did see a reference to the story of Narcissus, but that's just a dude falling in love with his own reflection. And that's not, not exactly an actual <laughs> double that's manipulating him or a, an ill omen, that type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, and obviously, like, really... there were Greek philosophers that touched on um, sort of aspects of the the doppelganger when we get into sort of the psychology sort of theories mm. on what a doppelganger is. And, like, Plato and Aristotle and those types of guys, like, were the earliest, or not the earliest, but they kind of, like, set the stage for Freud kind of later on and things like that with, like, looking at the self and how there was, like, the, dub- the double could be, like, you know, thoughts, like, you know, like... Sp- deep subconscious thoughts or whatever coming up. It's like nothing mm-hmm. directly tied into like evil doubles or evil twins or the doppelganger from ancient Greece. That I or, physical manifestations or physical manifestation. Or physical manifestation. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah. So did you have anything else for the Zoroastrian bit? No, I mean, that was just sort of one we obviously wanted to touch on just because it was the <laughs> earliest monotheistic religion. And that is the origin point of, yeah, of this, of this very, very, very sort of rudimentary dualism that would evolve into the, super complex stuff we see in all religions whether it's good and evil or whether it's not that it's it's so much directly related to the cultures that we're going to talk about no no but again but but similar though just like historically yeah so then yeah ancient greece not a ton you found a little bit from norse mythology right just a tiny bit well this one was interesting because it is a ghostly being that is a double or a mimic, but there isn't so much a nefarious aspect. It's more so... Doesn't kill you. No, it's 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 almost like an echo is kind of how I interpreted it. So essentially, it's like... What's it, it called? It's, it's, a, it's a procedure of the person as well. And sometimes it's not even seen. It's just heard. Like, say, like, you're at your house and you know your significant other's going to be home at a, at a certain time. And so you're, you're, you know, you're in the living room or wherever and you hear them come through the door, take off their boots, um, maybe wash their hands or put their coat away and you hear all those familiar sounds and then you go to say hello and then you realize they're not there. And then they come through the door minutes after. I see. So that kind of thing. So it can be sort of more like just experiential, not necessarily like you see an exact yeah it can be just heard it can be seen though and most times sorry did we say what this is called i just scrolled down oh here. So the var- like... vardolger vardolger the vardolger what a great didn't you come across that's like a lot of metal bands are yeah. named that yeah i think there's one that's uh, currently on tour really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of are, googling they're around like, they're norwegian them. or something I, I guess yeah finnish <laughs> yeah definitely they do have great met- death metal over there that's for sure yeah you know what's interesting too like they're in finnish folklore there's another crossover with this vardolger and it's kind of, it has this another name that's just... Oh. Hard to pronounce. Yeah, it's the Etainen 
Anyways, it has like an A with a double dot over it, so I'm not really I'm, sure what I'm that is. I'm just going to give you a little finger clap here oh, for that you. attempt. That's a very nice. valiant attempt. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it is kind of similar in the way that it's, again, not malicious, but it's it precedes the person much like a Vardogger does. Interesting. And it it's almost more so a spiritual guardian or some sort of like a genie. I know mm. we touched on the djinn really briefly in our mm-hmm. Zura theories and the, that to me was more so an evil connotation this is more helpful yeah <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna yeah not try and murder you every interesting step you take yeah so that definitely differs from a lot of the other sort of cultural references yeah so those two again yeah those are very they're almost in their own camp mm-hmm. and then you get the more sinister ones that are Right. Yeah, you get... Anyways, yeah, so we got Celtic mythology, and this is also present in Norman French folklore. Okay. The Anku. The Anku. The Anku, spelled... Well, I'm not These words that. are cool. I know, right? I love it. But, um, yeah, so this guy, again, is definitely a, a malevolent... Malevolent... Oh, my God, I can't even Malevolent. 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 There we go. <laughs> malevolent enemy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm having an off day. <laughs> the harbinger of death. Harbinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. never a good thing. That's <laughs> No, I didn't actually find any specific instances. It was kind of just like a brief mention. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. What did you come across? I honestly, like, every time I was searching Celtic mythology, I just kept coming back over and over and over again to the Irish folklore of mm. the fetch. Ooh, yeah. So, I mean, they're very similar. Like, so basically in Irish folklore and just in sort of, it, it, trans, it transfers over into like the rest of the British Isles as well. But mm-hmm. the fetch is described as, usually as a spectral double um, of a living human whose appearance is regarded as extremely ominous. And so it's usually like, like these other ones we've sort of touched on or we're going to, going to again more so, but like it'll kill mm-hmm. you. If you see yourself, it's not good. Okay. Um, it does sort of have some similarities to the, um, to the Norse one, the Vardogra, in the sense that, like, mm. depending on the time of day, apparently, the fetch, if you see a fetch in, early in the morning, that could actually t- potentially be a sign that you'll have a long life, or you'll, it could be interpreted <laughs> a in a good... A long road ahead. Right, like, it's, mm. it's at the beginning of the day. Yeah. So it's a good sign, whereas at late at night or other times, it's Or at the, yeah, when the sun's dying and right. the light starts to disappear. And so and that sort of ties to the same it, thing. Yeah. It's like good, evil, light, dark, night, day. Mm-hmm. Um, all these kind of... So uh, many binaries. Dualities and binaries, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, um, it all ties together. So that totally. was an interesting one from Irish folklore. And that transfers over sort of into the Scottish Irish. too, but you had a different one there, for, I think, for yeah. the Scots. There was a few different things I came across. Um, they kind of refer, the Scots refer to doppelgangers as just co-walkers. It's kind of like a, um, a phantasmic sort of uh, figure that is actually able to separate from its person and perform actions independently, whether or not those are harmful or not, um, you know, kind of depends. Again, though, they, they also have the concept of the changeling and the idea of these trows or, like, these fairies that actually, um, they steal children. They steal babies right out of their cribs. And we had an awesome image of that that I posted earlier on our Insta. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically trows come in and they steal these children, replace them with things known as changelings. So in that sense, you can interpret that as a form of double. Right. Right? Totally. Yeah, so... That's freaky too. Isn't that? Isn't that totally freaky? It just it's it's creepier and creepier the more you come across these these 
similarities that are, say, described in different terms, but they're all describing the same thing. Yeah. It reminds me so much of, like, the Skinwalker and, like, say, like... Yeah. You know, there's so many Where things these that things we... cross over and there's subtle variations, but mm-hmm. they're all there. Yeah. Yeah. More similarities than differences. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. So that was another really cool one. I really like the Scottish version. And it's mentioned, that Scottish version, like, it's mentioned in a ton of, like, we'll, we have a literary section that we'll get to, mm. but, like, it started really early on, like, early in sort of folklore writings and stuff, like, both in Scottish and Irish, like, you know, early, like, you know, late <clears throat> late 18th century, early 20th century, lots of different works. Um, Michael Bannum's gothic story, Ooh. The Fetches, that's 1825. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a really famous work that was one of the earlier ones to include the fetch. That was from like an anthology, right? Called The Tales of the O'Hara Family. I believe it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really tr- want to read that. <laughs> I know, right? It's the tough thing about releasing weekly episodes. We try to cram reading books. Yeah. But it's really tough to obviously read a book in a week. If something doesn't have a preview on Google Books, I usually just skip over it. <laughs> like, not that I want to, but yeah. like just for the sake, I can't just order a bunch of books from eight books like I did. At, when was that? I ordered yeah. a book for our first episode <laughs> on like Christmas or just for Christmas. It didn't arrive until literally a week ago. So that was my experience with eight books. Obviously, there's services like Amazon and whatever else that are a little bit yeah. better, but yeah, I do like eight books because they have great prices. Right, you just have to wait. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> this episode is not brought to you by eight no, books. No. By the way. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that gothic story, that is a huge theme, hey, in gothic fiction. Definitely. I love that. When I took that class in university, I was like all over that. And we're definitely, we have some examples, but we want to talk about some real life cases first, I think, hey? I think so. I mean, that was just definitely sort of a brief, brief historical overview. And we could have gone into more depth. But oh, definitely. Um, you don't really need to know much more. I mean, the basics of this are that it varies culture to culture, but that Typically, it's not a good thing to see your double. It's not a good sign. And, and then also within that, if someone else sees your double, it's usually a bad sign for the person that the double appears as, but it's not necessarily fatal. It more so comes into play if you see your own double. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. And then that is more so fatal, especially if you encounter this double more than once. Indeed. And mm-hmm. that's important because that comes into play in sort of these real life stories that we're about to yeah. give you guys here. Yeah. So maybe on that note, I'll just start with Piercy Shelley, because he was one that was very... That's a good one to start off with. Yeah. Um, if For those of you who aren't aware, Piercy Shelley was also an author and a poet. He was the husband of Mary Shelley, the very famous author of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And so this guy... The original Frankenstein. The original, right. Yeah. From the 19th century. And so he had numerous incursions with his own double in which he would actually have conversations and in one circumstance the double asked him how long he intended to remain content very creepy and he was always alone when he saw this guy apparently so <laughs> some people might think well you know maybe schizophrenic right <laughs> but, but the thing with him was that like he was sort of people liked him like he was mm-hmm. upstanding mm-hmm. and he didn't seem to from anything i could look at that i could find that he showed any indication of like schizophrenia or Things like that. Something no. along those lines. Yeah. You never know. He actually did write... There were some themes of um, the double in his Prometheus Unbound that he wrote. Hmm. I haven't actually had time to read that, so I, I don't know What a title specifics. that is, eh? Right? I love that title. It's pretty epic. But yeah. again, a classic, too. Like, I've definitely come across that in our studies before. Yeah. But this guy, yeah. So he... 
hmm, he's kind of testing the fates. I think he had at least three incursions with his own double. Okay. And it kind of culminated with a tragic boating accident. He ended up perishing at the age of 27. So. Unfortunate. Yeah. Didn't end well for him. Poor Mary. I wonder you know how what, she though? Lived That's him. one of those fun, kind of interesting things, though, where it's like, it's supposedly a harbinger of death when you see yourself, but most of the accounts we've looked at, it's like you end up dying in a way that's either unexplainable or sort of obscure. Or tragic. I mean? like, or, or, yeah, or extremely tragic, I guess. Mm-hmm. At least the extremely tragic ones, it's like you know what happened. You know what I mean? Like if, if someone if someone just like dropped dead after re- claiming to see their double but with no indication why, like that's more... That's more creepy to me. You know, yeah, that's totally. Like, what if it was like the basilisk where you st- look at it, you get, catch its eye, and you're boom, you're dead. <laughs> On the spot. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, out of here. <laughs> yeah, out of here. <laughs> yeah, out of here. Anyways. Yeah, Bob's Burgers um. references, yeah. <laughs> Such a good episode. Okay. So after Shelly, we definitely have some more. What was the one that stood out to you the most? Well, I think despite the despite the fact that there wasn't a ton of information on it, I really enjoyed the Catherine the Great mm, story, which yes. is obviously Our why opener. I, I chose to do it as the opener. Yeah, but like there was like not a ton of information on it at all. But it just sounded it sounded like it sounded like a story that would happen for Catherine the Great just because of the type of lady that she supposedly was, like super <laughs> like outlandish and and uh, boisterous mm. and all these things. And if anybody was going to like charge into their own throne and be like, screw this, double shoot them right, right? now. You know the what I mean? The like imposter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, it just, it sounds, it sounds like it could be true. And then she did die. Um, mm. I mean, if this, if you believe the story, she did die several weeks later. Right. Um, there's debate about exactly how she died. Some there of them are, are pretty like. Wildly <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> versions yeah. that we won't touch on <laughs> no, here. Exactly. <laughs> like you can Google it and take a look. Um, she was but, a very um, precocious, uh, rambunctious kind of a lady, she, wasn't she? She liked to have some. Uh, she had many. So, l- she liked to have male company around. She from did. what I read. Yes, mm-hmm. and so obviously there's a lot of theories on on how she died, like if she contracted a disease or whatever it mm. may have been. But did you get her age? She was in her sixties. Oh wow! Can't remember, but wow. anyway. Okay. Um, she just struck me as, like, one of the most famous ones. Like, obviously, Abe Lincoln's super famous, and that's more recent. But, like, yeah. Catherine the Great, like, for all... That's... Yeah. That's, that's a, a pretty p- crazy sighting. You know, it's funny, too, because she... A queen of Russia... Or a... Tsar. Tsarina. Tsar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a leader of a country. <laughs> Which corresponds to... Or, or parallels, I guess you could say, Queen Elizabeth's own encounter with her double. Right. So obviously she was a bit earlier than than uh, Catherine the Great. When was she around again? It was like the 1500s or something. Like this or... is one of the, yeah. Um, she was the... Where is this note here? She was the daughter of Anne Boleyn. So Anne Boleyn was around in the time of Louis VIII. Oh God, that um, would have been early. So that would have been... Anyways. We, we can... <laughs> all those at home. All the know, history classes just... we took and, and, uh, oh, so and our, our professors are... Yeah. They're, uh, yeah. But anyway, so she actually <laughs> encountered her double when she was in... Again, she was uh, a little bit older. I think she was in her 60s or 70s. Yep. She ended up... I think she walked into her bedchambers and saw herself laying in repose as if she was dead. And she was like quite ghostly, right? Like it was quite... Um, it was almost like a... Pale skin and all yeah, that. Exactly, thing. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she ended Spooky. up dying soon afterwards as well. I think it was within a matter of weeks. 
So, just, just bizarre. Yeah. We'll get into I'm, the theories like I'm already, about it. I'm already but... just itching to get into the theories because yeah. I have so much to say on all these. Like, all these is things. this like their own mentality? Like being like, you're gonna die. Well, is it like are you are you are you witnessing your own your own premonition? Like, like yeah, like yeah. you have this in your head, and this is like, it's not actually a physical manifestation that someone else in the room could reach out and touch, but it's like you see it because <clears> it's <throat> some sort of a, yeah, it's a premonition, mm. or is it actually? like something physical like do you manifest it through your thought just because you because of whatever reason because you're right? under extreme stress or because of whatever it may be yeah the power of the human mind and like queen elizabeth again like she was a very sound of mind person she was not one to dick around and be like no you know i'm gonna most of I'm just these gonna, people i'm just gonna dabble in the paranormal right. for a second here and yeah. then get back to business yeah. like, no she had a freaking country to run totally most of these people that we come across not just for doppelgangers but for all kinds of different things throughout history they're oftentimes accounts from credible people like even mm-hmm. like we talked we touched on like a saint germain in the when we we're talking about alchemy and it's like the people who claim to know him were credible people you know mm-hmm. what i mean or Whatever it may be. It's not like the town drunks that are coming out here and be I saw my double and he stole my horse. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I don't know. It's kind of interesting that way, historically, how it's, you, it's it, a lot of the time is like, you know, well-known figures. Yes. People of note. But there was people that were quite ordinary. Oh, for sure, too, as um, well. Absolutely. And that, to me, well... This happens to hundreds, it hundreds does. of thousands of people. I'm even thinking the, like, off the top of my head, like I was listening to Monsters Among Us the other day and he had um, a caller tell this account about how like, I guess he was a mailman and he ended up, um, he had a double and he lived in a small town and he had, I can't remember what kind of car it was, but it was a really noticeable type of car, like a souped up whatever, like bright yellow. You'd always know him if you were, if you saw him on the road. And essentially, he had a double that was, like, literally... But it was, like, the same sort of thing where it was, like, almost as if he didn't talk to anyone or didn't, like, um, respond to people yelling out or whatever. And then I think it culminated with him actually um, encountering him. Eventually, he did. And he was like, hey, man, this is so weird, right? Like, and the double was, like... It was almost like a men in black thing where the double was, like, totally just, like... It just, like, glared at him or something and didn't respond and basically just, like, walked away. And then after that, he never saw it bizarre yeah we should get a hold of Derek hayes and see if he can um send us over that sound bite <laughs> that's so funny too we were out for dinner recently with some friends and uh she was like oh there's somebody with the exact same name as you that's starting to come come to the yes. studio and i was like uh oh uh, what do you mean like it's, <gasps> it's like every time someone sees it but, on the list they think it's you and, and it's then the weird part you. is <laughs> she never met him no right? she's never seen she's him never seen him could be another andrew mckay out there what if they just assumed your identity Uh-oh. you better check your credit cards Whatever, I only have a thousand dollar limit. Basement <laughs> <laughs> life, right here. Okay. But yeah, just on the note of like more normal people encountering doubles or being stalked by them or whatever, I think. Do you want to mention Emily Sajid now? Oh my god. Because I was gonna save her for last, but she's from the 1840s, and we have a few cases after that. So if we're gonna continue on, this is the mo- th- this one is the spookiest one. So I think <clears> we should just let's jump into it. Yes, and I have a dramatic reading. Witnessed by nearly 50 persons, the students were intently working in their sewing class while another teacher sat at the front of the room reading a book. Outside the window, the students could see Emily working in the garden. The supervising teacher stood up and left the room. Seconds later, Emily walked in and sat in the empty chair. The students thought nothing of it until one gasped 
and pointed out the window where Emily was still working diligently in the garden. Two of the students stood up and approached the doppelganger, and being quite brave, reached out and touched it. They said it looked just like Emily Sagie in all aspects, except when they ran their hands through the entity. They said it felt empty, like the stuff cobwebs are made of. Later, Emily Sagie had told school officials that she indeed had been outside the picking flowers in the garden. She had not seen the doppelganger. In fact, Emily never once saw her twin, but had, in fact, wished to herself that she was in the classroom supervising the sewing class. The school officials noted in their documentation that each time the doppelganger appeared to them, the real Emily appeared lethargic and listless. All right, well, that was extremely creepy. Indeed. <laughs> One of the, um, yeah, I don't know if we, I don't know if we actually mentioned it at the beginning there, but like, so she supposedly was a French school teacher. She was a French school teacher teaching in like Eastern Europe somewhere. I can't remember the exact country. Didn't she? She like bounced Estonia around or, a lot, right? Yeah, that was the, that like was the thing. She lost jobs because the of this. The whole story was that the school was very curious as to why this woman hadn't had a job for more than a couple of years in one spot kind of thing. And yeah. so after she had been at the school for a while and they had encountered all these, like basically everyone at school witnessed it. Except for her. Except for her. Yeah. Yeah. She was the only one. She would be up there lecturing in front of her students and she would have her doppelganger mimicking her behind her <laughs> and like writing stuff on the board and, Just absolutely you know, bizarre. like gesturing to the kids and all this stuff. And, and actually we found a really cool, it's like a 10 minute uh, YouTube thing on Emily Saji. So we'll include that on our YouTube channel so you can get, take that link. Uh, there's a link for our YouTube channel on the website, so you can check that out later. But anyway, continue. Cool. Yeah. So, eh, I wasn't able to find any birth or death records for Emily yeah, Sergi. that was the thing. I don't even yeah. know if I have the right spelling, though. That's the thing. Like, she is from the 1840s, is when the account is from, but... Not necessarily ideal <laughs> records kept, necessarily, mm -hmm. depending on where she spent time, too. I mean, if she was bouncing all over the place. But you'd think that there would be birth records. Yeah. Or something. Something. I mean, obviously... This was just on Ancestry.com, so... Yeah, I mean, it could And I'm be not a, a paying member, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cursory glance at uh, Ancestry.com. I mean, it could be a yeah. spelling thing. By all accounts, she was definitely a real person. Yeah. I mean, like, judging by the amount of information... I mean, not that that means anything. People can be made up. But it doesn't seem like it. No. It's very curious, too, because she... Yeah, like we said, like she never actually saw her doppelganger, but it would correspond to say things that she was thinking about or wanting to do or right. whatever. Like the end of the quote was that she had, oh, she had wished herself that she was in the classroom. So, you know, in that sense, it's almost like a sense of psychic bilocation, perhaps. Right. Yeah. Something mm -hmm. weird like that. Yeah. That's, and that, again, I say that now we're going to talk about it. So we're jumping the gun, as per usual, but <laughs> yeah, anyways. Yeah, that's typical of us, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think, I mean, I had a note here that I thought, well, we both, we both talked about this, but like how this account has some similarities to the Vardoger, um, in the sense that it wasn't outright <clears throat> malicious or there wasn't, no, there wasn't anything about it that, like she never saw it. So she mm. wasn't, she didn't, she wasn't, uh, she didn't get that uncanny feeling. Right. Other than that, when I obviously like, it, you'd think you'd get that uncanny feeling when someone just like, "Hey, I just saw you in the bathroom," and you'd yeah. be like, "Yeah, that, yeah." So yeah, the <laughs> idea that it's not as malevolent, and then also the idea that it's mimicking her real life actions, things that she would do, like say even, 
I know, like, this is just whatever, but say her walking down the hall at school. Right. And things like that. Or it's the al- picking of the flowers. Like, it's you almost know? like a, it's like a trickster. It, this this one seems like almost or yeah. something. Right? Or it's, a, it's just almost something trying to mess with her. But it's not like a, it's not a, it's not a. It's like a poltergeist type of meddling. Yeah. A little bit. Exactly. Like move your brush from one side of the room to the other kind of stuff. Not like anything. Not like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so yeah, Emily Sagi, she was definitely one of my favorite accounts. Uh we do have a couple more though. Um I think the next one would be the Goeth account. Or Goat yeah. Gotier. I don't even know. Johan von Johan Wolfgang von Goeth. 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 So anyways, this account comes from his own autobiography. So he claims to have met his doppelganger at the age of twenty two when he was visiting a lady friend of his. Hmm. Do, do, do. And, uh, <laughs> very, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> very saucy. Saucy, oh, saucy. Yeah. But his, this doppelganger appeared before him, dressed in an outfit different than his own that he was wearing, and mm. didn't acknowledge him at all. And it was kind of curious because a friend of his, an acquaintance, actually saw the same doppelganger further down the way. And, uh... And then I guess the account goes that 20 years later or so, years later, I don't know if it was 20, whatever, he ended up walking down that exact same lane, and then at the time he realized that he was wearing the exact same outfit that the doppelganger had been wearing in the previous circumstance. Interesting. So again, that's almost like a psychic manifestation, some sort of echo. Like a premonition or some sort of weird... It's sort of funny. I always end up jumping back and forth between all sorts of different, like, other stories that are unrelated. But you know Mm -hmm. what that makes me think of? What? That makes me think of um, some of the Mothman stuff we've listened to where it's, like, the description of somebody, you know, the window washer that's slightly higher up. His perspective is further down the road than the person on the road. Mm -hmm. They can see further ahead based on where they are. Yes. It's almost like these... With the whole bridge accident and everything and all, right. those, all, those, all those predictions that um, Keel was getting over right. the phone Right, John Keel. So it's like a doppelganger. It reminds me of that in the sense that like when you see yourself in these circumstances, like the one you just mentioned, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's there's like a, yeah, there's a premonition aspect to it, but it's almost like what you're seeing is that further view down the way. Exactly. Or it's, it, it is, it's just a piece of Whether time. Whether it's years from, or minutes right. or whatever. Right. And just to even add to that, Goeth had another, a second account of when, this was, I guess, probably, I don't know, in the same time frame. It was, again, in his autobiography. But essentially, there was an instance where he was walking down the street towards his home. So he's walking through the neighborhood, and he sees an acquaintance of his down the way. And he's wearing an outfit of Goeth's. So <laughs> again, it's the clothes. You're like, what? Anyways, so when he arrived at his home, he found the same acquaintance he had seen wearing the outfit at his residence, wearing the clothes, the same clothes. Okay. And so essentially, his acquaintance said that he had taken the liberty of changing into Goeth's after getting caught in the rain, soaking his own. So again, it was like, oh, yeah, premonition, where he kind of was like, oh, you're yeah, you're here doing that, but actually you're probably in my house doing that, and I'm seeing you here. <laughs> so, psychic bilocation, and, yeah, like right. you're saying, premonition. All in the paranormal realm here. Yeah, that's in the paranormal uh, mm-hmm. category of our theories section. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really fun one, though. I like that. Go with... And well, he was cool the one that wrote his... Faust, eh? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Faust. Well, I mean, the, the cool thing about that one is it's in his, his own writings. 
You yes. know what I mean? Where it's not like the Emily Saji, it's all secondhand source. Right. It's, yeah. There's no primary sources involved where she had a diary or something like that where she was like, everyone at school is talking about this. You know, um, mm. the next one we're going to get into, it's the same mm. Same thing. I feel like we're building up to this one. Drum roll. I don't want to do a drum roll because we don't have a very good pop filter. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to sound awful for you guys. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, but we're moving in uh, to, yeah, possibly the most famous historical figure to have witnessed their doppelganger other than probably Catherine the Great. Um, and that would be Abraham Lincoln. I honestly think that Abe is more famous than Catherine. He's definitely, like, more in the public consciousness. Like, Especially in a, America, right? Well, yeah. In, well, we're, mm-hmm. yeah. We're in North America, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, <laughs> 16th right. president, I think it was. He was? Yep. 16th president of the United States. And he apparently, obviously, we all know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. But, um... Give a little bit of background on on on, the, on his account. I'm I'm handing this one off to you. You're handing it off to me. I am. Well, okay. So, <laughs> um, let's see here. So, according to his account, it was relatively soon after he was elected. Mm-hmm. So this was like 1860. So yeah, he like. he came home one day. He was working all day. Came home. He was getting himself together. At, you know, after a long day of work, and he looked at himself in his bureau mirror. And he saw his own reflection, his double's reflection behind him. Okay. Um, Nearly at full length. So almost the full head to toe. But he said that my face had two separate and distinct images. He noticed that although the images were nearly identical, one was a little bit. So there was different. He saw his double. One was slightly different. Slightly well, more pale. it was the paleness. Yeah, slightly more pale. What was it? So Did he say it was like five, five shades? shades? <laughs> That's such a specific shades amount. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I'm sure he wasn't like spending a lot of time tanning, so it would have been real pale. I thought the interesting part was his wife's interpretation of it. Yeah. So but that was it. So he saw it in a mirror. He didn't yeah. see it directly. That's saw it interesting. In a mirror. So yeah. that is a difference between some of the other ones. And it does correlate to... Some of the accounts I saw where a lot of the times a doppelganger is seen in a crowd, it's seen at, at a distance. Yes. And it's often seen through glass. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a, yeah, there's something, there's a, some sort of a, yeah, a divide. Didn't X-Files do an episode on that too? They did a recent, one of their newer ones had doppelgangers in it, remember? The newest oh, ones. yes. But yeah. they did an old school one too, I remember, where it was like... Side note here, sorry people. Yeah, yeah, where it was, yeah. There, she, I think Scully was in a shop in one of the scenes, and then she ends up seeing, seeing it through like yeah, the shop window, oh, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah. takes off, and that I sounds really familiar. Yeah, something to we'll do. We'll post that. the link. <laughs> it's on Netflix. You guys can go find it. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's probably from like season two or three or four. <laughs> the best seasons. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, so, but, so uh, we never even got to her, Abe's. Abe's wife's uh, interpretation of that. Yeah. Did you want to tap out? So, well, okay. I think you probably have some more detailed notes on it. I've just got like the one little, the little side thing here. His wife said, I mean, she was worried. She basically interpreted that he wouldn't make it past his first term. Yeah. Or past his second term. Like he would make it through his first term, but then not his second. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely taken as a bad omen. Yeah. But yeah, she she definitely correlated the the degree of paleness with the time spent in office, which is weird. That like, is couldn't weird. you just say equally like your 
you're not going to make it through your first term. Like, what's to say? Anyways. Yeah. How do you, how do you, maybe she was just trying to be really like positive for, maybe it was near the election. She's like, be like, don't worry. You'll be fine for the first one, but you're going to die. And you're like, no. Why would you even bother? Then I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go hide under a rock or something. You know, (laughs) these things make me wonder how, how much they knew. Like, I mean, yeah, like Abe, like this was in in the 1860s or whatever. And then Catherine the Greats was, you know, whenever that was and all this, but it's like, what, what was their knowledge of doppelgangers? Mm-hmm. They obviously knew like what it was. Yeah. They described these things as doubles. Like Abe Lincoln describes right. it as a double. He saw his doppelganger. But like, I wish that we could have found like a direct like quote or something being like what, what his take on it was. Like I was afraid or I was this, I was that because there's nothing that really said like that no. he was upset by it. It was just from, yeah, his biographer. I mean, obviously seemed like the type of man that wouldn't be too shaken, shaken by it. Mm-hmm. Well, he obviously ended up running again and whatever so yeah. he wasn't yeah. going to change his ways and of course though i mean this matches up with obviously the same sort of demise that piercy shelley met and that it wasn't unexplainable but it was before their time and tragic mm-hmm. and definitely before his time yeah um coincidence like that's up for listeners to decide yeah but yeah another really interesting historical account for sure definitely now we migrating into theories already here because that pretty much wraps it up for me for like more significant cases. Oh, I think right, right, more significant cases, and then we have some some interesting sort of literary examples, correct? We do, and I'm kind of saving that half for for the theory section. Cool. Yeah, but so, first we have a word from our fellow podcasters over at Graveyard Tales. Hosts Adam and Matt explore a plethora of fascinating paranormal topics, all with hilarious banter and lighthearted fun. So we highly recommend you check them out, and we're going to roll that tape. Good evening, everybody, or morning or afternoon or whatever. My name is Adam. And I'm Matt. And we are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like stories of ghosts, hauntings, the paranormal, preternatural, and the downright weird, and you enjoy a few laughs as well, then you should probably check us out. Find us anywhere you get your podcast. Come join our Facebook group at Graveyard Tales Podcast, or on Twitter at G-R-V-E-Y. Just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. We look forward to seeing you in the graveyard. See you soon. back so we're just about ready to kick off our theories section mm-hmm. but we wanted to start off with um some pop culture and literary references just because there were so many interesting ones and they definitely helped set the stage for the theories section yeah so and they ha- do have cultural implications as well absolutely this is what perpetuates these narratives Crosses, and crossovers culture. into real life definitely i'd say like 90 percent of the things that inspire us are from fiction and then they cross over into us looking for evidence in in reality, like primary I kept kind of going back and forth. I'm like, yeah, do these real life examples inspire the fiction or does the fiction inspire the real life examples? But it's the history, situation, a man. little bit, yeah. <laughs> the history in my mind makes it the first where it's yes. 
the real inspires the fiction. Totally. Which normally it's so funny. When you're talking about sci-fi, especially, it's usually the fiction inspires the real as far right. as scientific advances. But I guess it depends what era you're looking in. You know yeah. what I mean? If you're looking in modern era, mm-hmm. like last 30 years or something, then it's the latter. If you're looking at, you know, 15th century, then I feel like it's maybe a mix of both. And if you're going even more ancient than that, then it's historic, more historical. It's based off of what people saw mm-hmm. and then they reinterpret it or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it gets reworked into like paintings and exactly. like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but we're kicking off with some, yeah, literary references. Did you have any particular one that you wanted to re- mention right off the bat? Hmm. I had a few cool ones. You had that Edgar Allan Poe one, right? Yeah. That was a pretty cool one. Yeah. So, I've, you know, it's funny. I actually didn't get a chance to read the short story. I've read a lot of other Edgar Allan Poe stuff, mm-hmm. and he's definitely doom and gloom and creepy things that we're into. <laughs> but William Wilson. So anybody out there who's mm-hmm. read this will be familiar with this. But essentially, it's a short story that explores the idea of doppelgangers or doubles. Mm-hmm. Except it is a little bit different. So it has this reversal of the traditional evil twin, per se. I'm doing air quotes here. Um, In the story, one of the doubles is amoral, but his wicked schemes are always being unmasked by his virtuous identical. So the foil is the good one. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's flipped around. Interesting. It's a little safer to see your double in this particular story. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of an interesting reinterpretation of it. I I'm, like that. I haven't actually read that one either. Yeah. Well, that's from 19, or sorry, 19, 1839. Right. So a lot of these works actually did come about in this time Similar frame, which era. you can just say loosely is the era of Victorian slash Gothic fiction. That was kind right. of, yeah, the high point of that. Yeah. You do see things like, um, Robert Louis Stevenson's The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, right. that type of thing. And that ties into this too. Yes. You know? Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing it up. Well, I know, but it's like, it's like all these things that I didn't really think of, but I, like, cause it isn't It's the direct... duality of the yeah, self. exactly. The it's idea that monstrosity double. lies within one's right. own being. But that's what's so bizarre about the doppelganger is because like when you see it as a harbinger of death, it's this, what, what did you just call it? What is, how did you just describe it? It's like, it's this evil thing, but it, looks like, it, but it looks just like you. Whereas in Jekyll and Hyde, it's like, looks like you and looks like a monster. That's true, actually. You know what I mean? So that's an interesting Yeah, the physical difference. manifestation. I guess more so on the ma- lines of like mind-body dualism, that type of thing is right. kind of what I was... But, and okay. then also the evil twin. Yeah, so there's so many like sub-themes within the idea of the double. Right. And again, like, yeah, we even referenced uh, Hans Christian Andersen's that fairy tale he wrote called The Shadow. We right. use that as a little bit of a hype-up kind of thing. But that, again isn't even actual like it is it is a double in the sense that it is part of his self to me that almost corresponds more to the ka than to the doppelganger yeah yeah but yeah so his shadow ultimately takes on a life of his own and becomes the master and takes he he totally uh by the end of the short story he betrays the 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 learned man as he's described throughout the whole thing which is kind of an ironic reference by the end of the story right but I really love that one. And we are going to include that in the references in, sorry, resources yep. in our additional reading. I have a full, um, like, PDF from a website. So I'm going to yeah. include that because it's really fun. It's cool. like, it's not even like five pages. Awesome. So. We'll, we'll try, we'll record, uh, include it's the... It's snackable uh, content. We'll include the bit. William Wilson short story as well. We'll find a link for that Ooh, and include yeah, the, the yeah. Allen Poe. Yeah. And there's also other references like um, Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Double. I haven't yeah. read that one, but I love Dostoevsky. Well, Dost- Dost- He's classic, man. Yeah, you do love it. 
You don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember this one comedian where it's like you can you can summarize uh, like Russian literature in like three emojis. It's like vodka bottle, Russian flag, sad face. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's my. Well, take. there's a lot going on there, um, but we're not going to dive into that. No, that's cool though. Yeah. I, there, I, I found. I don't know if this this isn't. I don't know if I agree this is like a, a doppelganger reference per se, but something that came up when I was looking at pop, pop culture references was Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator. Ooh, yeah. Which, if you haven't seen it, go go rent it or download it. It's, it's so it's fun. It's really funny. Um, it is silent. Silent film. We it, watched it. You know what? That would turn off like pretty much 99% of people that probably, just heard that. Probably. But just but go watch it anyway. Open up really, your minds. It's quite funny. Yeah. Um, and so basically, The Great Dictator, he's, he's, he's mocking Hitler. And... Um, but the Super, idea... Super, like, you know, that was 1939, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So this was right on the edge of, yeah. like, Nazi supremacy, all this, like, yeah. war unfolding. And so the the connection to the doppelganger double kind of comes in where basically Chaplin plays both characters where he mm. has this one character that's like the super simple barber mm-hmm. and then that's contrasted by like the, you know... The, the maniacal dictator. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the sort of same good and evil, same person be, playing both characters or whatever. <gasps> so it's just sort of a... We should rent that again. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That was sort of a funny... That is a cool one. Pop culture reference to it. Yeah. Um, as far as even just getting back into the more literary side of things, mm-hmm. um, there was that one book I ended up reading in my Gothic fiction class. It was by a guy named James Hogg and it's called Private Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner. Okay. And this was even earlier than the other ones we referenced. So this is the ni- sorry, 1824. And so essentially the lead character, Robert Ringham, who is a fanatical Calvinist, um, AKA a self-righteous prick. <laughs> he hates women. Okay. Anyways, there's a whole other whatever. But he's haunted by his second self named Gil Martin, who is essentially a shapeshifter. He assumes various identities. He's he's a trickster. And uh, usually he um, takes on Robert's identity and commits crimes on his behalf, that type of thing. Interesting. Yeah. So it definitely explores themes of duality, a fracturous nature of human identity, and the terror that the second half can invoke in the self and in others. Ah. So in my mind, that is just conjuring up the uncanny. Very right? much so. Yes. So All this right. was a 1919 essay from Freud. Sigmund so, Freud. Sigmund, Everyone knows who that yeah. guy is. He was mm-hmm. super into his mom and he wrote about psychology. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a cool little quote from him. Another dramatic reading. So we'll get right into it. Quote, The subject of the uncanny undoubtedly belongs to all that is terrible. To all that arouses dread and creeping horror, it is equally certain, too, that the word is not always used in clearly definable sense, so that it tends to coincide with whatever excites dread. The uncanny is that class of the terrifying, which leads back to something long known to us, once very familiar. End quote. Man. Yeah. Cool, hey? Creepy. Super. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, you know, you get those, like, creepy violins, like the... Just playing in your head. I'm just, it's so, it's fun sitting here trying to like imagine the feeling of, you know, of, of, of seeing something that would be described under the the umbrella of the uncanny. Mm -hmm. Imagine turning into an alleyway and you see something, it's human, but it's not, it's you, but it isn't, it's, it's alive, but it's dead. It's like, I kind of had almost a similar experience the other day when I was at home. And I happened to, well, I had talked to my mom actually recently and she was, um, 
she had just hurt herself. I can't remember. It was her back. Mm-hmm. She had like these crazy muscle spasms until she was basically bed bound. And I just hung up with her on the phone. And then literally less than five minutes, I was looking out the front door and I saw her walking down the street away from me. And, and just as I looked out, she was rounding the corner. Yeah. Didn't see her face, but I saw the back of her head. I saw her jacket. I saw her jeans. I saw her. It just looked just like <laughs> And I had to call her right back. And I was like, Mom, are you on a walk right now? Like, what is yeah. going on? You're hurt. Yeah. And she was like, no, no, not walking. And I was like, hey, this is freaky. I don't even want to tell you what I just saw. That <laughs> like, was also right when you were in the, in the, in the heat of researching doppelgangers. Yeah. <laughs> but at the power of suggestion. But at the same yeah. time. No, but at the same time, though, like, you, that it's like, that was one of those situations where it's like, you turned and just at a, in a split second, you were like, what? I didn't really know take, what right? I, yeah, I totally did. I literally turned my head, like, went like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And like, it was, yeah, it was weird. And I just had this really unsettled feeling. So that to me is a very, like, toned down version of what the uncanny can, it's a yeah. feeling in, incited by usually a visual, right? Right. Yeah, so, I yeah, would say that's. I would say that that's pretty toned down. <laughs> yeah, it because is. I mean that's sort of. But like I was almost... definitely a little bit in the back of my head. I was like, oh, hope so. Right. Nothing bad happens in the next right. couple days. But or that's weeks like an Emily Saji account right. where it's not like you saw yourself. It's not fatal. Walking down the road. Exactly. You know what I mean. Hmm. I can't say I've ever encountered anything like that before. Like, no. um, where I've thought I've seen myself or seen somebody that even looks like me, people will come up to me and be like, oh, like, I just saw your doppelganger. I just saw your, your twin or like, people have said that to me before. Like, you look so familiar. Yeah. Never seen anybody that looks remotely like me other than mm. my dad. So subjective too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Even anyway. what your sister was saying about that actress is like, no, you really don't look like her. No, <laughs> yeah. All the kids yeah, in her classroom yeah. were telling her that. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. Yeah. Hey, Kate. Yeah, <laughs> um, Yeah. So, moving on, I guess, from the uncanny, we're still in the literary realm, I would say. We do have elements. We've talked about dualism all throughout the show, right? Right. And I think another sort of... We're, we're definitely straying away from the realm of the doppelganger, per se. We're but, sort of... We're, we're trying <clears throat> to work out the explanation for it now. Yeah. I mean, it's not just like... We're not moving away from it, per we're se. Not, yeah, we're not moving away... But it's just like, I, I like this realm of the Freud's uncanny because I think that has a big part to, that's a, that's a huge part of it. So like yeah. coming back to just sort of like. And a huge part of like, exactly. Sorry. No, no, I, go sorry ahead. No, 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 not at all. But like a huge part of how this becomes, um, a facet of horror in culture. Right. So. Yes. Yes. Cause like, what if, like I've seen accounts from someone that has schizophrenia where they're like, oh, you know, it's just walking in the hall, I sat on a bench and I looked beside me and, oh, I saw myself sitting beside me and they kind of waved and they were very friendly and it was fine. Like right. that to me is completely different than this other context where it invokes this feeling of dread. Right. And that to me is almost like a signal of the, the unconscious or subconsciousness to the conscious mind that's saying like, mm, something is not right here. Right? Yeah. And when you have mental illness, a lot of times you don't get those signals. Right. You don't get those warnings. No, they'll manifest in different ways. Not to say that I'm an expert in mental illness. No, we're not at all. But obviously, <clears throat> looking into this, a lot of a lot of what comes up for yeah is 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 based on like neuroscience and psychology and things like that. Yeah. Um, Freud and psychology being in the earlier stages of it, the idea of the uncanny gets me going. It always makes me yeah. think of Frankenstein and it sort does. of these earlier stages of like the uncanny, the other. Yeah, the other. The monstrous. Right. And so that, again, you do, yeah, the idea that 
Frankenstein, like you mentioned, can be interpreted as an example to... Like, he, he is uncanny in the sense that he is a reflection of humanity, but in a right. grotesque way. Right. Mm, that's right. where the horror sort of resides. It's almost like it's a reflection of... of it was a it was a pop culture reference to society's reflection of what they feared in yeah. themselves, right? Yeah. Or what they could become or what, you know, if... Um, if their humanity was lost or mm. what their, their concept of humanity it or, was. Right? Or if anything happened to defy the boundaries of what is considered human. Because we do have a humanist narrative. I don't want to really dive right into the whole no, 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 not, spiel no. of that. But yeah. basically does kind of correspond to this idea that humans are at the top spot. And then there's like this sort of like hierarchy of existence. And that there's these separations, these boundaries. And then... There's the realm of the animal, there's the realm of the human, and how Frank and the realm of the dead, the realm of the alive. It, de- right. it depends on these binaries. And right. if you and if you deconstruct the binary, then you're almost deconstructing their reality and the safety of that. So yeah, totally. That's why Frankenstein had to die. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you yeah. have to restore those boundaries. Right. You have to restore order. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So how did the island of Doctor Moreau end again? I don't know why that. Made oh, me think Pendril. Of that. Pendril or Pendrick, Pendrick was his name. He ended up going back to England, and he was just never the same. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that book. Yeah, I don't know why that made me think of that, but I was just like, how did that end again? Restoring, but there, but restoring was, the boundaries because yeah, vivisection. Um, it was the idea that in the, the sense animal that he and the human are combined. Yeah. And yeah, he was the only one I think that made it off the island, or yeah. one of the only ones. Right. But and then he goes back and he's like basically saying like, I'm haunted forever. Yep. <laughs> I can't Disturbed. unsee. Yep. I can't see anything that I just saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So just, just to finish like that thought though on the uncanny, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's the idea of the double being an exact, like it's yourself. It's a double. It's mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to say like the Jekyll and Hyde where it's a monstrous version or mm-hmm. like, you know, where the, the Frankenstein is like a the uncanny human, but it's not like a double of an individual. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me in terms of like tying into Freud's psychology that like these sub, you know, if someone say, say like someone had murdered somebody, like the mm-hmm. idea of the subconscious and you end up seeing your double, like, that makes sense to me. Like it's tied into your own personal self-conscious. That's why you see yourself rather than a monster or rather than something else. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, like someone tied... who's committed a monstrous crime. Right. And or, then they. Yeah. Like that's why you would see yourself. It might not be a monstrous hmm. crime. It could be anything. It could be any type of stress or Some guilt sort of or psychological. Or yeah. Like impact. Okay. So like maybe Catherine the Great was in the same position, like Abe Lincoln first term under a lot of stress. Mm. You know what I mean? Like where it's like Parallels, these things yeah. within the self. That, I don't know if I'm saying, I don't know if I'm suggesting if it manifests physically, like it was an actual double or if it's just psychological. I think most scientists would lean to the psychological only. Yeah. Schizophrenia, <clears throat> the whole camp. Yeah. But, uh, I don't. <laughs> I lean the other way <laughs> because that doesn't account for the deaths. Yeah. You know? Anyway, that was just my sort of round, long winded, uh, finale to my thoughts on Freud and the uncanny. But anyway. The uncanny. Yeah. Where is so yeah. I yeah. So from there, like yeah, literary theories. Um, we had sort of a touch on Descartes' mind body dualism. Did we? Well, I don't think we did. No, we were just talking about dualism. We weren't talking about mind yeah, body. which basically just mind body dualism. Like your consciousness can exist separately from your body, is which is an ex- 
excellent lead-in to our theory on bilocation. Indeed it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Which, kick yeah. that off. Let's do it. Bilocation. Bilocation. So it's the idea that the mind can manifest itself in a physical or semi-physical form due to psychic effort of the individual, whether that's intentional or not. As we could see in the case of Emily Saji, if you want to include this in the bilocation, right. she was definitely not aware that she was doing no. this or that the doppelganger was manifesting at all. Yes. And then there's other cases, right, where you have, I have this one really interesting example from the 1600s from a nun called Maria de Agreda or Maria of Jesus. Okay. Or Mary of Jesus. I've seen that version as well. I feel like that's confusing though, because it makes me think of Mary, like like the mother of Jesus. Anyway, so There's lots of names to choose out there, people. Just pick a different name. Right? Right? Come on. Get it together. Anyway. Pick a lane. Pick a lane. (laughs) Stuck with it. (laughs) (laughs) But this Mary, um, she reported that she was often transported by the aid of angels to settlements of a people called the Humanos. It's spelled with a J. I'm just going to say that's an H pronunciation, though, because it's in the New World. It's in um, South America. South America. That makes sense. Or, sorry, Texas slash New Mexico. So not quite. It was of New Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So this is the age of the conquistadors, all this stuff. Yeah. And these Humanos Indians, which is not a politically politically correct term, term, but (laughs) but that is the term that they used. Um, So anyways, they had long been requesting these missionaries, like Catholic missionaries, Christian missionaries, and they wanted protection from these Apaches. And essentially, um, yeah, they they were kind of starved of this until this guy, it was a friar, a Franciscan friar named Juan, Juan de Salas. Nice. Good pronunciation. All that Spanish paid off. Si, si. (laughs) I can't remember anything else. Wee, wee. (laughs) (laughs) That's Spanish, right? No. Yeah, shout out to Quebec. But anyway, so this friar, he went and visited them in uh, 1629 to find that they were already practicing Catholicism. Oh my gosh, that's right. Bizarre. Or Christianity, sorry. If it was Franciscan, then it wouldn't have been Catholic. Is that right? Oh, shoot. We're messing this up. Oh, anyway, gosh. it doesn't matter. They Whatever. were practicing. They were practicing. <laughs> they were practicing a Christianity. Sect of Christianity. They had the iconography. They had the. They didn't have the Bible, but they had like verses <clears> and they had like all this knowledge. And essentially, they said that an angel had visited them, mm. and and then they, I guess, they eventually put it together that it was this Mary, or Maria de Agreda, that was in Spain. She never went to the New World at all. No, but. There were some sort of crazy thing. So, yeah, she... So, this bilocation it definitely has some religious connotations to it. Um, yeah. And then also has just purely just cultural, like, you know, like like what we're talking yeah. about. With- so, like, she straight up said that she was projecting herself there. She was, like, The way that it was phrased like- was that the, with the aid of angels, so with aid of God, okay, she see. was able to... Right. But, you know... That's sort of similar to the story. Actually, I don't think it's in the notes here, but we listened to it and I took it down in some of my written notes before we prepped our actual show notes. So that one with the Australian guy and his friend. Remember mm-hmm. that? Where he basically, basically, that's okay. We're going to stop. Amber's going to open her drink. It's fine. It didn't explode. <laughs> it didn't explode. Oh my God. I was so worried it was going to explode. No, but it reminded me of that story where it was, I believe it was an Australian, possibly New Zealand. Don't get mad at me out there, Australian and New Zealand listeners for mixing we the two up. We love Flight of the Because Concords. nobody specified, I don't think, so I'm just sort of guessing. Anyway, he told the story about when he was a kid, sitting, laying in his bed and woke up to see his friend yes. sitting at the end of his bed. Yes. 
And he was about, what, 10, 12 years old, something like that. He was Australian. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. And he sat up and he was like, at first he thought it was his sister. Uh, I think that's what his sister or something like Someone, that. Someone. And it was actually his friend. It was actually his friend. But his friend was miles and miles away, you know, different at town his at, yeah. his, at his house. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have been his friend, but it was. And he sat up and he was like, you know, whatever his name was, like, is that you? Is that you? And his friend's looking at him, rocking back and forth and holding mm-hmm. his arm and like saying, my pain. arm my arm, like, help me, please help me. <laughs> Spooky. And what does he do? So he runs into his parents' room. He's like, I'll get help. Mm-hmm. Runs into his parents' room. They don't believe him at all mm-hmm. because I guess this has had ha- happened before or really? night terrors or whatever. Oh. They they were just kind of no-nonsense parents is how he described it. Mm-hmm. And it was the middle of the night, so they were like, shut the heck up and go back to bed. Goes back to his room. Friend is gone. A few weeks later or, a few, or whatever it was, a week right. later, mm-hmm. he ends up, I think it was summertime, so they were back at school. And he, or something like that, he was re- reacquainted with his friend, hadn't seen him for a while. And sure enough, arm was broken. Freaky. C- c- couldn't come out to play because his arm was broken. Same arm. That ties directly into bilocation theory. Like, how could he have seen his friend who wasn't there, who had, you know, they were very similar to the Emily Saji. She wasn't aware of it, but possibly like projecting some sort of energy that was like manifesting in a doppelganger. Mm. at his friend's house. It found its way to a space where it knew it would be listened to or whatever. They had a psychic connection. They had a psychic connection. Sense. So I don't know you whether you believe that story or not. I personally do the way, like... You know, I totally forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a cool one. That was neat. It's very similar to the Emily Saji case, right? Very. But anyway. Yeah, the whole, yeah, bilocation. So I got three really cool stories from yeah. that. <laughs> Moving on to the next one, though. Oh, so, or yeah. do you want to? Or do you have yeah, another one? No, no, yeah. I just don't want to move on to this one because it's so, like, I feel like it's kind of like a burst your bubble type of thing. We're but, just going to rip through it quick, though. Yeah. It, it's the psychological theory, the scientific model. Boo. <laughs> hey. No, we're I'm just not, <laughs> don't be mad at us, Chris no, Conkle, please. Kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. It's yeah, important to be objective, um, and obviously, like, for the most part, I'm going to say, in my personal opinion, 99.99% of accounts probably fall under this camp. Yes, I think so too. And But we'll explain why the other 1% may Don't. not. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the psychological model, um, there's definitely, <coughs> in neuroscience, there's been some <coughs> theories. You're choking, you're dead, you're, you're dying. I'm good. All right, he's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it basically is this condition called hiatoscopy. Hiatoscopy? How do you keep getting these, like, H- really hard words? How come I don't I get these doing hard it to words? Myself, you keep writing anyways. these in. You should put, I don't know. You should transfer these over to my <laughs> section of the notes here. Right? So be like, okay, now we're on to hard words. Not that I, I can just do it. Take like, it. Yeah. He, he, no, I suck at it too. Keep I know, it's hiatoscopy. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Um, so it's a subcategory of autoscopy, okay. which is kind of defined as a, it's a, a scientific equivalent to the out-of-body experience or the experience in which an individual perceives the surrounding environment from a different perspective, either from outside his or her own body or viewing one's own self, that type of thing. Right. Okay. So this autoscopy is the hallucination of one's own image at a distance. So again, like through that the crowd kind of or exactly, it may, yeah. yeah. Through the window. Haven't you ever had that happen to you where you're like, wait, what, what? And then you, and then it's just I mean, lost, and then you I don't know. know I feel seen. like that happens to me, but it's always with deja vu and other things. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but not with like. You're like, I feel like I've been here before. Visuals per se, but 
Anyway. So, yeah. So, anyways, this uh, hiatoscopy, <laughs> it also has an inverse, actually, called negative hiatoscopy. Um, so, basically, this is where the individual is unable to see themselves reflected in mirrors or other surfaces. That's just bizarre. Isn't that crazy? How is that even possible? I would love to be a doctor and literally sit someone in front of a mirror and be like, okay, negative so what do you see in there? I'm seeing you and I'm seeing me behind you. Okay, wait so, a what second. are you seeing? Could this, this is, to, this is off tangent, different episode type stuff. Off but tangent. I'm, off course, off everything, <laughs> on a tangent. Huge tangent. Okay. But that makes He's me think, it's like, wait it. a second here. Could that tie into like vampires? People not being able to see themselves in a mirror? Think they're a vampire? Ooh, yeah. Anyway, side note, different episode. Cool. But that just made me think of that. I never Can't really. see yourself in a mirror. That's weird. So, yeah. Anyway, Anyways, going. usually this disorder is caused by damage to the brain, whether okay. it's through trauma or a tumor growth or or even just, it can be an associative symptom of schizophrenia or epilepsy. Right. So again, all neurological disorders. Right, right. And yeah, so, oh, and again, yeah, so infection as well, cerebral infection. So things like meningitis, um, intoxications, generalized epilepsy, I already mentioned, yep. but this is from a brain research review article. I, I really had to dig deep for this cause I was like, I don't want to just go Wikipedia. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. We've not. got like legit peer reviewed sources yeah. for this stuff. Yeah. So there is a real life example from, um, Dr. Peter Brugger and this is, or Brugger. Okay. This is a 20, yeah, 20th century, 21st century. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> 2006. <laughs> Him and his colleagues described the case of a man who actually experienced five doubles. Interesting. Yes. And they located, well, the source, which was a tumor in yeah. his insular region of the temporal lobe. Right. So, yeah, definitely a deformity of the brain causing this. And then again, like, when I was researching this, I kind of, you went on the Charlie Chaplin tangent, I'm going on the Natalie Portman tangent. Okay. Well, it's not even a tangent, because it's totally relevant, but yeah. Black Swan, right? Ah. She sees her double so many times that movie. Yeah. I love that movie so much. It's so creepy. But yeah, she has definitely some sort of psychological affliction that can be interpreted as form of autoscopy. And it, it is the dark inverse of her repressed self is right. kind of how I interpret yeah. it. And then you get, um, oh, what's the other actress from that 70s show? She's in there. Oh, uh, Mila Kunitz. Yes. And she, again, she does represent kind of another inverse, but then there's just so many layers to that movie too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great I movie. I want to watch it again now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so freaky. But again, we run into some issues with this model, right? Yeah. It explains a lot. It does not explain everything. No, because mm. obviously... Yeah, I, I mean, it's a diff there's a difference between, between taking a case modern day and being able to put somebody through a CAT scan and whatever else and being able to locate, identify, a, a, identify a an actual physical source. abnormality. The thing is, is that for a lot of these cases, especially the historical ones, obviously these medical practices weren't available, but mm -hmm. they didn't die from you know, brain hemorrhaging or they didn't have a stroke. Well, they didn't they die did. from... What if they did? Well, the Catherine the Great may have. That is Catherine pretty Catherine the Great ambiguous. may have had a stroke, mm -hmm. but obviously Abe Lincoln got shot. Piercy Shelley died in a in a boating right. accident. Um, you know, there's numerous other accounts where it's like, yeah, assassinations or just mysterious unexplained deaths or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like science is always trying to put... we Just as humans in general, we, we want to put things in a box, Right, we we yeah. want to know things. 
We want whether, to categorize. So whether, whether, whether you're a pure scientist and you don't believe in religion or whether you're just like a pure preacher and you don't believe in science, it doesn't matter. It's the same. Mm-hmm. Because you're putting something in a box where you think you can understand it, it's right? Ca- it's a belief system. It's a belief system. Epistemological framework, Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So. But again, so running into some of the limitations of this, right? Right. The idea that this can explain cases of repeated run-ins with one's own doppelganger, okay. or even say maybe one instance, does not explain people seeing other people's doppelganger and yeah. for mass sightings like the Emily Sajie case, right. right? And that to me is the ultimate where the boundary can be drawn, right? Because like we said, it can probably cover close to 99% of what we're talking about, right? With yeah. people seeing things that maybe aren't there. Right. But there's always that 1%. Yeah, if you, if it, yeah, there's like, because there's no way the entire school has an issue, has a mental yeah. <laughs> issue or, or like are under some sort of hypnosis like... or are, you know, experiencing mass hysteria or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And that's what some people, again, tying back to Mothman, just random reference, but that's <laughs> what, but that's what people, that's what, that's what one of the theories was there. Like a lot of it was just sort of, it became this sort of almost like a mass hysteria type situation going on. Mm, yeah. I don't think that's the case for anything like this no definitely not and obviously Catherine the great same thing like she didn't see it she was alerted of of it being there and she runs in and sees it Mm -hmm. her servants were disturbed they were like why are you here you should not be here yeah um i almost i wonder which would be more frightening like to me like if i'm sitting in bed and someone comes down the stairs and says like you just you know like you're outside right now yeah. Which would be more scary, that or me walking outside and seeing myself there? Mm, I think you seeing yourself. You think so? <laughs> yeah. I think it would be frustrating if someone else ran in and told you that they saw you, and then and you what go if out you and couldn't? It's like not there. Yeah, because then you'd be like, I don't believe but you, was, or but, I want to believe you, but yeah. I can't because I didn't see it, or whatever. And it's, you know, both disturbing, obviously. Mm hmm. I really hope I don't see my doppelganger after doing this type of, uh... No. Let's hope it's not like the little fairy you say where you start talking about them and they start messing with you. Yeah, like during the Ogopogo <laughs> episode, we started... We, we went to the... Yeah, the well, we were talking to Coralie. Indigenous and she was history. telling us yeah, some and She some was things. like, yeah, you, you talk about things too much and all of a sudden you're... She's like, we already have pencils Stationary and, supplies and start disappearing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, we're, all, we're off topic here. Yeah, so I feel like that pretty much wraps up, like, there are some other syndromes that have kind of been um, reworked over the years, like, things like the syndrome of subjective doubles that was coined in, okay. was it 1976, or 78, sorry, by George Christodoulou. 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 What a name. What is that? That's, like, Greek? I don't know. Something like that. And yeah, he, he, and he, he described a case of an 18 year old girl who claimed that her neighbor had physically transformed to the patient's double. <laughs> so that to me is just total like, yeah, yeah, yeah. some sort of, you know, I, I guess as we're coming illness. down to the end here, mm-hmm. what, what, it, what, what's your take? You know, what do you think for the people who are clearly not like afflicted by some sort of like a, an il- an ailment? Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you believe... If there's, the, like, a one-off... Like, like, if you believe the Abe Lincoln account, if you believe the Catherine the Great, or something like or those ones, mm-hmm. what's your take? I kind of tend to believe in the psychic manifestation theory okay. a little bit. Yeah. I don't know, though, because, like, I kind of go back and forth between the idea that it 
comes from within versus something existing from without, and that's kind of messing with the person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. <sighs> they know there was other one other theory, sort of. It's yeah. not really a theory that's out there per se, but I kind of like tied it in, mm-hmm. um, and it's just sort of like the idea of multiple lives. Ooh. So like oh, not yeah. necessarily multiple lives in the sense that like Buddhism thinks of it, where you're reincarnated as something mm-hmm. else, yeah. but multiple lives. And I suppose this sort of crosses over into like the idea of not only multiple lives, but multiple dimensions. So mm. there's multiples of you existing in an infinite layer, in infinite layers of alternate dimensions where I'm sitting here saying this exact thing right now, but I'm two seconds forward and my hair's a little longer, whatever. Right. right? Mm-hmm. It's like slightly different. Yeah. And that's how some people account for deja vu and like right. those theories on that. But like the multiple lives theory is like an actual theory um, that psychologists have tested and this starts all the way back with Freud, where, like, with hypnosis and stuff. So, like, hip- hmm. hypnotizing people and getting them to try to remember past lives. And people would, like, recount Ooh. all this information and, like, past lives stuff that would be, like, tied to different people. And some of it could be corroborated. Oh, okay. Um, so, it's definitely, like, pseudoscience. But yeah. just the idea of, like, maybe there being not only multiple lives, but multiple selves existing at different points in mm. time or different dimensions. The only question with that to me is why the heck would this alternate self or alternate Why would they appear version, when they do? Why, why, would you, why would it want to kill you? for what, Or, like, why would it want to cause you harm? Like, why? You know, like, uh, well, what, would, what would be the point? Why would, it, why would you want to hurt yourself? And why would, it be, why would it be crossing over at all? Why would there be an interdimensional point where something crosses over and it, it's you and it messes with you? Why? Yeah. Now, the, the question why is redundant in all but this why, kind of stuff because it's but like... But is it actually messing with you or is it just presenting itself? And then, and then you end the up interpretation getting... is that. Right. And then who knows? Maybe... But why appear but at all is that's my point. True. Like, like why appear like, at all? Is it coincidental? Is right. it... So I feel like it could be because mm. I feel like that's a lot of the things where... Because I, I believe in interdimensionality and we've talked about that like Skinwalker Ranch and I... Mm-hmm. finished off the Ogopogo episode with sort of this random obscure theory at the end. Yeah. But it's sort of tied into the idea that like there's hot spots around the world where mm-hmm. people see things or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily tie into this with like hot spots because it's just individualized per person. Yeah. But the idea that yeah, that there's these there's these points where things can cross over. There's these there's these there's yeah. these ways in which we can They're able to sort of like jump over the 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 different pages of the book kind of yeah. like that are unfolding yeah. and kind of ah uh, yeah that's the only question is is how does that tie into people dying from it i don't get that yeah it's almost as if it's the, sort of like the well, maybe a bit more of a religious aspect or like a, a spiritual like a, it is a death omen um a spirit of some of yourself right but exactly what you're saying like premonition like mm. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the echo too. The idea that we're just some like the Vardogar and the I I the Finnish one, yeah, <laughs> whatever that was. But how those aren't necessarily malevolent, right? So not all these come with these sort of bearings of death, right? But the majority do. But yeah. I yeah, as far as yeah, that kind of covers paranormal theories. Like there was this one quote from. Catherine Crow, she's a researcher in this area, and she kind of observed that doppelgangers, this is a quote um, from Atlas Obscura, 
The doppelganger is often said to appear as one sleeps or falls ill. This has led to the belief that when our bodies can no longer hold on so tightly, our spirits may be free to wander. So, yeah, I like that. I, I feel like that, um, sums up a lot. Yeah. Like the, the body and spirit, the idea of dualism, because that's the theme that of the week, right? Right. (laughs) The idea that maybe perhaps we aren't as bound, they aren't as bound to one another as we think. Totally. The only thing I have with that whole interdimensional theory thing, it's like, if everyone else can come and go, why can't we come and go? Yeah. (laughs) What the heck, man? How did we get chipped like that? Like, come on. No doubt. But. Although maybe you wouldn't want to. Maybe. Tough to say. Just like the X-Files episode last night where the guy was like, I've seen, I've seen a time where history exists no more. I've seen a time where you can go and see the end of days and I don't want that to exist. Right. What episode was that? That was season four, right? I can't remember the title. Wow, we're just X Files fanatics. Clearly, we've had that's the third X Files reference like, in this episode. So I feel like um, X Files is sort of like subtly guiding our episode picks, right? <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like it's subconsciously guiding even, yours. That's I don't want to sure. like spoil anything, <laughs> but we've even kind of toyed with the idea of doing a pyrokinesis episode, and then that episode we watched last night definitely. The idea of like sub zero freezing um, technology yeah, and then sure, bursting sure. into flame totally. as like a alternate catalyst. Anyway, catalyst. Oh, <laughs> catalyst. Catalyst. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. So that kind of wraps up theories for me. Yeah. Do you have any other like? I feel like I'm sort. I feel or? like I'm 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 kind of riding with you. Like I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I I think the interdimensionality aspect to it is like it's interesting, and I'm kinda, <clears throat> it, it, my mind goes there for mm-hmm. sure. But it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense as in terms of like, you know, why, why is it an exact copy of yourself? Right. And then in other circumstances, like we might think of other things as being interdimensional, but it's not like always doppelgangers, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, uh, you know, some people think Sasquatch is interdimensional or it's orbs or it's whatever or it may be right or actual skinwalkers yeah, or, right? or, or it's the bermuda triangle and yeah. you know and things disappear or whatever so it's kind of this like super broad category mm-hmm. i think i'm kind of yeah i'm kind of lost with this one i do not have like normally with most of these i come down and i'm like yep i have i have a i have a theory you got your opinion i do not really have a theory for this one yeah. Because they're so different. Like, the Emily Saji, everyone else sees it, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, Catherine the Great sees it, her servants also see it, so that's both. And then the Piercy, Shel- Piercy Shelley, he's the only one that sees it. Well, there was I- an instance where Mary Shelley had a dream in which the doppelganger appeared, I think. And Okay. But that was, yeah, that could have just been a dream, too, you know? I feel like that type of thing corroborates it, though, possibly, right? Because, yeah. you know, they spend a lot of time together sharing brain waves, and she ends up having a dream about it. I definitely believe in it. I definitely believe that these things have happened to a lot of people. Most of them are accounted for not, by the psychological, like medical reasons why, them. but not all of them by any means. And, yeah. uh, cool. Beware out there, people. If you see your own doppelganger in a mirror, uh, yeah, that's kind of a bad thing. Yeah. So yeah. End of show cleanup. Um, I guess folks, that's about wraps it up. That but does. first, <laughs> want to give a big shout out to Rob from Our Strange Skies, as well as Angelo from Double Density Pod. Thank you both for your awesome reviews. 
as well. We had Big Brother B up there this week too. So mm-hmm. thanks, bro. We appreciate that. Definitely. And a big thanks to Desdemona slash Sprinkleface slash Melinda for your lovely <laughs> review and some really amazing new artwork that we will be rolling out really soon on pins, shirts, stickers, and much more. So stay tuned for that. So excited about that. Um, and as well, all of the awesome sound effects you heard tonight are courtesy of freesound.org. Thank you. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great collective. Um, otherwise, yeah, if you are loving the show, please leave us a rating review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We always appreciate those. Uh, as well, you be sure to check out the awesome books um, that we'll be rolling out this week, uh, all doppelganger related. Yeah. And as well, uh, we are revamping the bookstore so we can feature Amber's picks and Andrew's picks. Yeah. So you guys can duel it out and see which one will pop. We'll see who does better. Yeah. And as well, of course, we're going to have the blog post up and ready tomorrow, as well as our resources page. So look out for those for some really great reads and yeah, additional resources. Yeah, I think that's so, about it, eh? I think that's about up? it. All of yeah. that stuff's available at intotheportal.com. Right. This one's been really fun. Yes. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Yeah, next Sunday, all new episode. Stay tuned. But remember, if you happen to stumble across your own doppelganger in a dimly lit corner or a crowded street, be warned from your friends here into the portal.